Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I am glad you are either back with us or visiting with us for the first time. Hopefully, uh, you can share this episode with someone who finds value in it. I believe you will. I'm hoping that you will. I know that I did. Um, there's a bunch of show notes. If you guys can't see them, they're in Podbean. Uh, if you look at my episode in Podbean, that's where all the show notes are. I put every note um, that I take from them, um, from each interview. And uh, please be sure to share on iTunes as well as on Podbean or any kind of social media for anybody you felt that might benefit from the podcast. Uh, it's about better men, better ball players. It's about creating a person, creating a, a ball player, not only just the physical side, but also the mental side, also creating a better person, using the game to influence them in a positive way that's going to help them when they're even finished the game. So, and another great guy to do that is Josh Conway. He's our special guy, special guest that we get to talk to today. Uh, you get to learn from, we get to learn from. Uh, he is a an unbelievable person that I was fortunate for one to be able to coach my first year as a head coach. I got to coach this great young man at Smithsburg High School. He got drafted that year by the Atlanta Braves, but decided not to go, and he went to Costa Carolina, where he was then drafted by the Cubs his junior year out of Costa Carolina in 2012. Played in the Cubs organization from 2012 to 2017. Had two different, had, had some arm injuries, and um, then got into coaching. Went back to went back to Costa Carolina to finish his degree. He got into where he was then uh, basically a bench coach. Um, and got to work daily with the pitching coach and really aid in, in all the daily work uh, to just see how to manage a pitching staff and was their bench coach. Sorry, not their, ben- not their bench coach, a bullpen coach. So at Coastal Carolina, he was able to fulfill that role, be the bullpen guy, help those guys know how to get up, get down, stay sharp, knowing when to go in, and just kind of help them prepare for the game and just to oversee and see how the staff was run by the great staff at Coastal Carolina. He was then hired on after Coastal Carolina he got his degree, uh, had some great opportunities, um, but he chose to and then work for the Baltimore Orioles. He was hired as a developmental coach for the Baltimore Orioles, where he had developed advanced reports. He acted as a bullpen coach again there for the Orioles, and just helping out with the pitching coach. That was his role as a developmental coach for the Orioles. His first year now, he's currently the pitching coach for the Frederick Keys, who's a single-A affiliate in the Carolina League for the Orioles. And so uh, that's where he would be right now if it wasn't for the COVID situation, if they were having a a season. But he is right now currently the pitching coach at Frederick Keys. So uh, Josh Conway, he is wise beyond his years, a very humble young man, um, and uh, a person who is going to be able to give you some great insight. Uh, Feel free to also reach out to him. He gives his email out. Uh, in the episode, so uh, please be sure that you have, if you have any questions or want to reach out to him, he does lessons here in the Frederick uh, Tri-State area in Maryland. His email is Josh Conway, J-O-S-H-C-O-N-W-A-Y-0211 at gmail.com. Again, it's Josh Conway, 0211 at gmail.com. 
And so please feel free to reach out to him. Reach out to me too if you have any questions about the interview, any questions about this, or the podcast itself. Maybe some guys you might know that will be great. Kind of fills into our mission. Uh, and Josh hits it right in the head because you know he just talks about even how to deal with people and um, and how he's doing the best to to have his guys trust him, and so they can then so he can then trust them, and just so he has a better relationship. Um, and that's all. That's all helping create a better man. And so, and then the ballplayer side, of course, we get into pitch design. We discuss um, just how he's helping develop a pitcher's identity, whether they might be a live down in the zone guy or are they a sinker ball guy, um, and are they up in the guy? Are they a power pitcher? You know, can they can they throw up in the zone? Uh, and he talks about just knowing who they are and helping them figure out who they are, and then reminding them of those things, even with all the reports and things that they have. We got to a really cool part where he said, when it comes down to, or, or even if a guy is still matched up and his his strengths are what the pitcher's strengths are, he still is going to go with the pitcher going with his best stuff, going with who he is, his identity. So he touched bases on that. And, um, you know, that's why you, you hear the reoccurring theme come out about him finding the right fit, finding the right fit for his players. Um, finding the pitcher's identity, finding what the what the each of the individual guys need, and helping them along with that to help them better along their career. And so they know that Josh is there to help them do those things. So um, Josh Conway, he's the pitching coach in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Has tremendous uh, experience, and I hope you enjoy our interview. Please again share share. Uh, something that somebody might find value in it and um, let me know of any feedback that you might have. So again, just wanted to say thank you to Josh for the time, consideration, helping us out here today. Hopefully you enjoy it and find some value. So here he is from the Baltimore Orioles organization, pitching coach Josh Conway. terminology of my job from last year so the development coach last year is now the fundamentals coach okay so someone who like helps the manager directly and uh you basically i guess you would it'd be equivalent to like a bench coach in the big leagues okay um someone who's like the right hand man for the manager and but do you feel like the fundamental coach typically aren't they like entry-level jobs though you know being that close to the manager um, or they, no, or they it not? It, no, it depends. Um, we have we have a couple coaches that are um, that have been coaching for a long time in that situation, and uh, it probably just depends on the, the needs of the the team. Um, like maybe if I, I don't, I'm guessing here, but maybe if like there's a first year head coach or manager somewhere that may need a little bit of maybe he needs a soundboard then maybe they get a more experienced guy to match up with him or um, at Frederick for us, it would have been a first year guy. Um, but we, uh, we have like a, a more veteran manager and we kind of have a younger staff that has obviously with Tom and, and Kyle Moore as the manager he's been doing, man, he's done, I think almost every, seems like every role on his way up to manager. So he's kind of well-versed um, in it. So it just probably depends on where they feel like the need is. Um, and maybe maybe our fundamentals coach at Frederick is in more of like a first-year role where he can learn a ton versus the opposite where maybe a first-year manager could use, like I said, a soundboard from a guy who's been around or maybe managed himself. So, yeah, again, that's that's just how I'm guessing with what they 
what they think about that. Mm-hmm. And so you say like that fundamental role, fundamental coach role is just really dependent on the manager. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. So like last year I did, um, I was more directed obviously towards the pitching. So basically it was our, I guess you call him assistant pitching coach, but, um, helped with all of it, obviously all the tech and, um, the data and their player plans and then the advanced reports as well. So, um, it just kind of depends on, you know, where, what your strengths are in that, in that role and where, you kind of are headed as well. So like, obviously I was on the path to become a pitching coach. So I need to learn, use that as a stepping stone to learn for um, the next year's coming if I wanted to be a pitching coach. So. Do you see that anywhere, like how that comes into the college game? Do you feel it's going to eventually like trickle down in the college game? I mean, I, I'm not sure because of all the rules and everything with college, but um, I, it's basically what I did at Coastal. Um, I basically served as the, again, like the assistant pitching coach, obviously without the title and everything, but um, basically just shadowed Drew at Coastal and um, tried to learn as much as I could from him with the day to day. And then um, when it came to game time stuff, I was out in the bullpen teaching these guys how to understand reports. So when they go in, they're ready to rock and roll, um, how to prepare for the game, how to get up, sit down, get back up. Um, just those little things that maybe college players don't have experience doing because at the high school level, you don't really touch on that. And then um, pre like pregame stuff. That's where I dove into the, the uh, advanced reports and um, really learned that and, and all the track man data. Uh, so I would say, I know at coastal, they at least have, they always seem to have someone there with, with Drew helping him out when I was a player there. <laughs> Jerry Oaks, who is now the uh, pitching co- coach at Pitt, um, he was there for four years, and then I was obviously there. And then after I left, uh, I think Mike Morrison is there now. He was obviously the closer there for the the championship team. Yeah, so that's right. I believe he's there finishing up his degree, and um, they do a really good job of using that that student assistant role or that student manager role to allow guys to get their feet wet and um, kind of direct that role specifically for people who maybe not necessarily went to school there, but have a relationship with Drew and um, can work with him, can learn from him and then move on to whatever they want to do after, after that. So you guys, you guys, they use it as a student manager, not necessarily a GA. I think it, all just, it, it all just depends on kind of where you're at with your school. Like, so for me, I, I was a ju- I got drafted as a junior and then came back um, and had a year left. So um, I'm not sure what Mike's, Mike Morrison's situation is Jerry. Jerry got drafted at a high school and uh, came back, I think, and was doing all four years of his school. So he was on staff for four years. So um, it just depends on what maybe what the needs are for for the for this, I guess, pitching guy coming back and becoming a student again. Mm-hmm. So they mostly use it as like an inside thing that or, or do they ever go outside and say, hey, we're looking for a student manager or a grad assistant? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, like I said, Jerry was there for the four years, so I'm not really sure okay. what what their situation was or what they were looking for. I know I know that Drew mentioned to me that it was it was a huge help for him to have guys like that. So sure, you know he can just worry about things that he needs to worry about during the game and not have to babysit guys in the bullpen or you know you, you use it as more of like a learning experience, not only for for me as a coach, but then the player as well, just bouncing ideas off that guy who had experience whatever level it may be 
mm-hmm. um, or even if it's just the college level, like they've all been through that already. So it's a matter of, you know, what, what players can, can gather from, from those situations. Yeah. It's very valuable. I mean, like it, it was funny. Cause like, I just, I talked to a lot of kids, uh, guys coming up, like right now looking at um, getting a GA and things like that. I think those are pretty valuable roles. And I, I think you see a lot of those things. I know we just talked about the Orioles are like pro teams kind of making up their own roles, but I think colleges are also getting pretty creative with other roles like that as well. You know, from director of player development, you know, you got these student manager jobs, all basically finding ways to say, Hey, we can provide you this experience and put on a resume can't pay you under the rules, you know, but it'll still give, you know, give people some valuable experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely good, uh, especially, like you said, with all the rules and regulations they have. It just gives people – like, I'm grateful that I was able to do that, and um, it really just propelled me forward and allowed me to get my feet wet with what I needed to understand and learn, especially with the way the way the game is going with, with, the, with the data, um, TrackMan and, and all that information. You know, Coastal had all that stuff, and um, I was able to get in there and understand it at a good time. Um, and, you know, even when I was playing still professionally, you know, Drew and I would have phone calls a couple times a week just trying to understand maybe what I was doing down in Nashville and um, what he was doing at Coastal and just collaborating together to come up with ideas to understand not only me, but what he could use for his guys. And um, so the, the transition back to school was just was just pretty seamless. Uh, it's like it never stopped. Um and, you know, when I was at school, it was like we were by the by the time I left, man, we were we were always on the same page with pitch calling and what I needed to do out throughout the week and game plan, all that stuff. We were just locked in and, and ready to roll. So was, once once I had that conversation with him about going back, it was just it was seamless and um, perfect for me. I, hope, I mean, I hope it was good for, <laughs> for him. I'm sure it was. So you, so that really help prepare you for the role that you first took with the Orioles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, it allowed me to stay current with, with the development aspect, like I said earlier. And, um, I really had to learn how to switch into coaching mode, which is something you, I mean, it's, you really have to understand that because it's nowadays, it's not about just like what worked for you as a player, because I'm a six foot fast twitch, strong right-handed thrower. And I got to help this tall six, six freshman who walks like a baby giraffe. And, um, you know, I have to understand what, what works best for him and, um, really had to just learn how that, how to understand those people and how, what they, how they learned and not just what worked for me when I was there or when I was playing, but more or less, you know, how, what their basic needs are and what they need every single day. Sounds like a very, very good coach statement there, that's for sure. So I guess I guarantee a lot of professionals really enjoy that. Do you find it, do you find, were you trying to do that at Coastal? Do you find that you have to do that much more in the pros? And did Coastal allow you to do that? Or was Coastal still more of like, we're going to teach everyone kind of how Josh does it? Um, no, I think, I think Drew does a really good job of <clears throat> keeping everyone on their path and understanding that they have their own identity. Um, you know, you see a lot of coaches in college that want to put their stamp on guys and it's unfortunate, but um, you know, if you can stay individualized and let that guy be who he is, I think that's how you get the most out of them. Um, 
And obviously, you know, Drew was in charge there, obviously, when I was there. So it was like I was more or less learning from him and not so much um, giving my input. <laughs> uh, it was more about, you know, I, if I had something, I'd, I'd bring it to him and uh, we would talk about it, have a meeting about it. Or um, if he if he thought it was something that I could express to the player, then then he would just allow me to do that. Um, it was, like I said, it was a really good working relationship and it got me to a really good point to be able to get in my job last year with the Orioles and, um, and continuously learn because I was doing the exact same thing with the Orioles. You know, I went and worked, Kenny Steenstra was our pitching coach in Bowie and, you know, Kenny just like drew just open arms right away, allowed me to, to chime in when I needed to, um, ask for my opinion during during games in game situations asked for my opinion on pitching who we wanted to pull out of the bullpen first um so he kept me involved which is which was great for my development um and that's one thing I could say about the Orioles is that they do a great job with not only the player development but the coaching development um they keep everyone tip top and and ready to to move into that next stage whatever it may be um and I'm obviously grateful for that and obviously they gave me a great opportunity at both coastal and with the Orioles to just dive into that advanced stuff and um, look to give players an edge at all costs, you know, and, and that's something that I really enjoy doing. And um, I, I, you know, hopefully we get to play a season this year or whatever the case may be, but um, hopefully that's something that I can instill in the players and allow them to understand how to use data and, um, create plans and formulate attack plans and sure. move forward with that. All right. Cause I, I, well, explain, I guess you could, you could go in more depth of like the advanced report. So is your advanced report really just the track man data that you're get, gathering from everyone? Um, yeah, we get a lot of information based off of, from track man. Um, we can pull. And is that what you use the coastal too? Yeah. Yeah. Coastal the advanced reports man, is, all came from, from track man. Yep. Yep. Um, it was a little more hands-on at coastal, obviously, because the, the, just because the, the tools you have at the pro level are just unreal. Um, you know, we're, it's great. The stuff we have is just great. Mm -hmm. Um, and at, at coastal it was a little more hands-on where I got to like plug in some numbers and, and type some things up myself, but, um, it just really taught me how to read hitters and, you know, not just look at a heat map and understand what, zones are good and what zones are bad for a hitter but you know you got to understand counts and situations and 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 all that deep stuff um and then once i went to the orioles it was kind of the same thing you know we we're, we're pulling as much data as we can but at the same time allowing it to not be information overload for these guys because they have to have a plan and they have to stick to what they're really good at um and not fear from that because that's what makes them them um and basically it's just a guide, a, a tool to hopefully formulate a plan moving forward. You know, if, if, and a lot of it too is based off of real time. So, I mean, if you have to use your eyes too, you know, you have, I, I had a little binder that I sent out to the bullpen for, for Bowie last year. And, you know, what I asked those guys was I asked that they pay attention to the game. They understand what hitters are doing, what live because at the end of the day, you know, we may attack a weak zone, but that guy may have made an adjustment that day and we may have to go somewhere else. So it's just a matter of cross-examining um, what the data says and what your eyes are telling you and trusting um, your ability and your strengths as well. So it's, it's just 
there's not one way of doing it. There's, you know, you gotta really just dive into it and, and work what work, or use what works for you. That was great. I'm just taking my notes, man. That's great. Yeah, no problem. So like, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just funny. Like, uh, we, we've talked about this, just how much, and, and you said where the, where the game's going, you know, and just in the conversation we've had in the last you know, 30 minutes is you've talked about coding. You've talked about um, TrackMan, pulling the data, heat maps, um, you know, from still also using your eyes. So um, how do you, you know, in your experience, because now you've seen guys that have been professional minor league coaches and you've also seen guys coming off of, you know, not ever playing a call, like a professional game and you kind of being there, the, the hybrid of you've now played professionally and then you have also the data the data background and you're kind of messing the two together. So are you, is there, I guess, is, are the Orioles asking you to like maybe help bridge that gap? Like, do you, do you see yourself maybe being that kind of bridge of with your eyes and also with the data? Um, I think for the pitching coaches, at least we're trying to just create the best version of a pitching coach that we can. And that's understanding game strategy, understanding weight room stuff, understanding uh, data, um, you know, just having an understanding of all of it, but under, also knowing who you are as a coach. So like out of those couple of things, like I have strengths, but there's also things that I struggle with that I just like a player, I need to do what I'm good at, but at the same time, chip away at some things that I'm not good at. Um, and I think the Orioles are doing a great job for, for, again, for my development to allow me to, do some things that I may not be the best at or understand that um, I just need to figure out what or how I need to grow as a coach. Um, You know, they've done a great job of getting everyone into the on-base use stuff, understanding body movements, um, again, understanding data and um, understanding the principles of pitching. And, but with that, they are allowing us to be who we are which is great. So like all uh, there's like six or seven pitching coaches and we, we all have a foundational language, right? Um, we try to use the same terms just for, for teaching purposes, because, you know, I may have a guy at high A that needs to go to double A and, you know, we have to have a common language or it's just going to get messy. But at the same time, I have my personality. The double A coach has his personality I can bring something to the table, maybe that he can't, and he can do that. He can do the same. Um, and it just, it creates a wide variety of a coach, but at the same time, having one general um, principle and foundation, you could say, and, um, but allowing you to be who you are as a coach and not just creating robots. Cause I, I think everyone needs to have an identity and a personality. And um, that's how you excel in whatever you're doing is, is being you while you're still learning. Mm-hmm. And and how do you find and looking at that identity? Is there also then an identity underneath the Orioles or underneath a team standpoint? I know minor league is a lot of development stuff, and then how do you, you know, teach that underneath of the being an Oriole? Well, like I said, like we have our foundational and our principal work, and um, we hammer that. Um, so, like, I have to figure out. I have to continue to continuously learn how I'm going to become the best coach for the Orioles organization. Um, but at the same time, I have to be me 
while I do that. Um, it's just a matter of, that's, that's actually a tough question, but it's, it's just, you know, just being who you are and, and trusting, trusting what you're teaching and what you're learning is, is useful. And, yeah. um, you kind of like, you kind of take this dogmatic way out of things and learn multiple different ways to do it while having similar language and making sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah. I think like you're saying, like with all the coaches have a, have a, a, like all the pitching coaches have this language because yeah, as you, you want to be fluid through all the different levels, you know, where guys are getting the same kind of cues or even if for you to have a good conversation with the next level guy or even the guy under you saying like, Hey, this guy likes to say this, or this guy's, you know, we've had this relationship and he likes to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, just a little, you know, I think that communication has got to be pretty, pretty important. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's kind of goes back to, to the development of everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So not just, not just the player, but as the coach as well, because if, if I get a phone call or if, if a player comes to me and he starts rattling off all this stuff and I'm just kind of like, I don't know what that means, man. Like we need to, we need to sit down and figure out what this, this is, or, if, if I'm using like these really big scientific terms, then I need to drop it back to layman's terms so he can understand it. Like, then that's what we need to do. And um, I think everyone does a really good job of that and identifying um, who is who and how they learn and how they need to move forward. Because I think at the end of the day, that's the only way you're going to get players to trust you as a coach and to move forward as a player is to be on the same page and not say like, uh, this guy's confusing me. I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. we've all we've all seen that and um you just want the player to obviously the player needs to become his best coach but we need to be there to be a guide and and be helpful as possible and let them um become that best version of themselves while we're doing the same thing and um helping them reach their goals sure thinking with that we could go in a couple of different ways so have i guess even just looking at the the mental side we've talked about um, the reports and things like that. Have you seen with a guy going up and saying, Hey, like, have you ever, you, have you ever had the conversation of, Hey man, like we have to, like, you were always really good at always kind of staying centered, you know, and staying, not allowing yourself to get very emotional. Do you find yourself talking to guys on, and even at that terms and just saying, Hey man, you just need to kind of get back to center or like whenever you're having the conversation with another coach and say, Hey, we just got to get him to have a good routine or you ever find those differences in players? Do you have those conversations or is it all about the data or is it all about their physical part? No, no, everyone's, everyone's different. So it's just about knowing, knowing who to your audience is, right? So who needs feedback, who needs a hype man, <laughs> who needs to be left alone? Um, who do you need to ask questions to really get the point across and, and maybe start a dialogue um, so it's just about learning your players and, um, some guys, maybe you just don't, you need to sit back and not even touch them. Right. Because they, maybe they need to figure it out on their own, or maybe there's somebody who thinks they have all the answers and they need to figure out that they need help. Um, you know, obviously as coaches, we don't just want to sit back and let people fail, but we need to give players their space as well. Um, you know, we never want to dive in on a player day one and say like, I need you to do this, this, and this, um, because then you, you lose them. Uh, it's about creating a relationship and building a relationship. So they trust you and, and you trust them. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that's how, that's how things work the best. Obviously there's a time and a place to, to really, to jump in and, and do your job as a coach, but you know, you need to be, you need to be good at reading that as well. Sure. I mean, and, and so most coaches have, you know, a set number of guys on the staff, you have, you know, a very big task of, you know, you could have an influx of guys all the time. How do you manage that? Like, so like you're talking about like knowing all these guys, like what is your process to be able to like manage, you know, the 15, 18 guys that you probably have on staff to say, okay, this guy's a, a hype guy. I need to get, you know, this guy's a question guy. This guy just need to leave him be like, do you have a certain process to be able to manage all that? Yeah, I think that comes with the communication of the coaching staff. Um, again, if, if, if I'm sending a guy to double A, I need to be on the phone calling that coach, giving him every detail he needs to know. Um, if I say like, Hey, this is a guy who, if we, if we go too far to data with him, he's going to have that, that gerbil is going to start spinning and he's going to start going five different ways. Um, or there's guys who can take on challenges and it's just a matter of knowing, knowing that information from your staff members at other levels and trust their um, trust that what they see and how they're, they're going about their business. Um, because it's like you said, like I, we could get a guy sent to Frederick for like two weeks and I got to figure out how that dude ticks. Right. Yeah. And, um, you just rely on, on the people around you, um, okay. and your, and your coordinators and your the other coaches. And so you have a lot of reports on people like where you could like, I'm just saying, cause I know you like, you like the, write things down and track it and, you know, color code it and things like that. So like, do you find yourself doing a lot of those things just specifically and just bringing up each person? So you kind of have a, a report on them just so you can kind of keep it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you try to, you try to have as much information on each guy written down or however, however your process may be. Yeah. Like you said, like I color code everything, man. It's just how my brain works. Right. Um, and that, that, you know, if maybe, maybe some guy, he, maybe he's a yellow out of red, green and yellow. And um, I have to interpret how a coach is, what, whatever a coach is saying. And then I, mean, I have to have my process with a potential yellow guy. Um, and, say, and then I have to be proactive and ask questions and, and learn this guy as quickly as possible just so they can flourish faster. Um, and again, so he trusts me, right? He's probably coming from a, from a pitching coach that he had a lot of success with for, for 80% of the season. And I want that success to continue. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to put like my stamp on the guy because he's with me now. Like we have to continue to roll on what is working for him. And I had to put my ego aside and say like, okay, if, if pitching coach in, in Delmarva, if you guys found something that worked, man, let's, let's, let's pull you into the office here. Let's talk about it. I'm, I'm going to explain to you like where I see you are, but you tell me what you've been doing so we can just continue that, that on that path and, and that development and, uh, and continue that. Um, and, and on that note, also we have, we have player plans as well for each guy. So I know we all have access to that. So I yeah. know exactly what he's doing. Um, I know what he's been doing. I know what um, he needs to do, what the long-term goals so are. Are you responsible are. for that when you first get them, like their player plan? Is that what the guy that first starts them in spring training and then each of you kind of build your own and that guy just goes with them. Do you ever add to those? Yeah. It's, it's a never ending process. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm right? sure you always, so it's, you get, you meet a metric, you move on to the next one or, you know, right. it, it could be like non-realistic and right. I, that's how I'm imagining it's a fluid document, but where does that start? 
Yeah, so it, it really starts from the previous year and even the year before that. Um, because as we know, things things take years, Yeah. right? Like, pro- like progression takes years. Um, and if you don't think that, then maybe you're, you got to change how you think. Because, you know, if you're asking a guy to add, who you know, I'm just going to throw an example out there. If you're asking a guy to add like three inches of sweep on a slider, year one, you may get like half an inch or an inch um, until he gets comfortable, until his body lines itself up, until he hits the proper drill work, um, until he adds that into game situations. Um, And that's, you know, you just have to be patient with it and you got to express that to the player that, you know, some of the stuff takes, takes a bit. And um, it, it, you know, with, with me being in with, obviously Chris Holtz, our, our coordinator. And I came in with, with him and um, his first year is my first year. And um, so I'm, I'm learning a lot from him as we go. And, you know, we started a player, a player plan for player X last year, and it continues into this year, into the next year, into wherever he may go. Um, And we just keep adding to that or keep adjusting it. I should say not adding to, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just keep adjusting it as he goes. And um, it's basically a, I don't want to say a checklist for him, but um, it's just a plan. It's a plan. It gives him direction. Yeah. It was like steps, you know, his, the top level steps should be the big leagues and, you know, performing at a big league level. And then just, yeah, like I said, just give them a checklist, essentially they're just steps. Right. Exactly. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I I think most people, I think, I think we're starting to see more of that, uh, you know, even in the lower levels, I know guys are programming more or, at least just you know, those guys just even just start out with goals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one guy talked about telescope goals, meaning let's say it's the major the big leagues and your microscope goal will be the daily process or the daily steps you take to getting to that. Um, but I guess like what you're saying is the checklist is still saying, okay, once we hit that two inch sweep, then we're going to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But that's a great way to segue into like your wheelhouse, man. Let's get into um, some pitch design stuff, man, if you don't mind, man. Cause sure. like, I guess, um, how are you, uh, you know, the app, a lot of high school guys are listening, you know, guys are asking me about pitch design, but they might not be able to have track, man. Like, um, you know, let's maybe start off with like, maybe what does a couple things mean? And then how would you do it? Like if you didn't have track, man, or those kind of things, how would you? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, with pitch design, there's, man, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. That's <laughs> a uh, very, very big question. So like, sure, sure. Just, you know, basics and, and foundational stuff, yes. you know, you think of first you have to identify what the pitcher has. Um, what do they throw? You know, how, what's the movement profile? Um, where are the best locations for that pitch? Um, how does it play through the zone? How does it play with other pitches? How do they, how can you combine them? Um, and then from there, we figure out what we need to add, improve, or maintain um, to hopefully get that pitch to how we want it to look. Um, you know, example from last year in Double A, we had a kid who who came in. His, his changeup was pretty good. I mean, let's let's roll through these questions here. You know, changeup was was all right. You know, we the pro, movement profile was a little flat. Um, he, he was able to throw it for strikes, um, maybe a little more depth and sweep could play better with, with certain pitches. Um, 
And then, so what we need to do is we need to probably improve on the shape of it. Uh, we need to find a way for him to nudge that towards more depth and sweep, not so much of a straight change to get more swing and miss. And, um, and that was kind of the plan. The plan was to just give him, give him the, the workload to understand what he needs to get that action on the ball, teach those things, um, find, find things that resonate to, to his brain so he can <laughs> take it from his brain into action. And then you basically just chip away and chip away and chip away. And we monitor that. And um, after each start, I'd bring him in. We would look at, look at his data. Hey man, you got, you get, it's getting there on the, on the pitch chart, on the break chart, you could start to see it starting to veer away from that fastball. It's starting to, to lose some velo. It's starting to get some more depths, a little more sweep. It's starting to, or I'm sorry, tail. And um, it's starting to basically look like a pitch that's going to run away from barrels. And then it gets, once we get that shape, then it's the whole time we're trying to hammer locations with that. Um, what, what, what locations work best for him? Is it down and away if he's left-handed to a righty? Is it down into the plate? Um, so where can we go strike to strike with it? Where can we go strike the ball with it? Um, where can we go for chase? Um, there's, man, there's a whole lot of layers. Yeah. Well, um, I, so well, question that comes to my mind is, so that when that kid, when you say, when that kid goes to work and he starts chipping away at it and he can't throw in a rep soda or he can't do that, how, like, what do you give him like a video and saying, Hey, here's the end and what we want it to look like. So he can kind of have that visual in his mind. Like, how does he know how much to go? You know what I mean? Cause if he can't do it yet and you want to add two inches of tail, but he hasn't seen it. You know what I mean? Like how, yeah. How, how do you, how does, how do you do that when you want him to go chip away at that? Sure. So obviously, you know, if you don't like track man's like 30 grand, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. 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 Um, uh, there's like, there's obviously the pitch logic balls, yeah. the diamond kinetic balls and then rap Soto obviously aren't, they're not as accurate. The balls aren't as accurate. I would say as rap Soto and then rap Soto, I don't believe is as accurate as track man. So there's, again, there's layers to that, to whatever you can get your hands on or, or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, we don't, I mean, last year, I think we're going to start trying to get portable track man for bullpens and stuff. We have one that kind of floated around organization, organization. Um, but we all are asked, actually we're all required to carry our cell phones with us. Right. So that's, you know, think about like 10 years ago, you never be caught dead with your cell phone in your back pocket in right. a game. But um, man, these cameras on the phone are, are great. So it's like stand behind the guy, shoot some clips um, and then see if the action is looking the way it want, he wants it to. And then you can even go into slow-mo and see how the hand is reacting at release or at your rotation. Um, you know, use your phone. It's, it's, everyone has one mm -hmm. and they're all really nice. So do you uh, find yourself when you're doing video only really focusing on the release point now? No, not necessarily. Based on the guy, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a combination of everything and um, delivery and timing and rhythm and all that stuff combined with, you know, what, what the ball is doing out of hand. Um, 
it, it's yeah, it's just a big combination of a, a lot of things, and that's why this is so complex. Right? Cool. It's like you got to be got to be as simple as possible while, while trying to do something very complex, and um, it's tough. It's really hard, and development is hard, and that's why we talk about chipping away because um, it's so hard, right? If you go out there and expect to throw this freaking crazy change up or crazy slider day one. Yeah. You may do it, but what's going to happen like three days from now, like you got to stay on the work and you got to stay on your plan and stay on the consistency of what you're trying to do to make it happen on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Sure. I just, I, I'm just kind of interested in a couple of those ways that you would, you would help guys chip away, you know, on their own, whether they're throwing either flat ground side session that don't have that stuff, you know, so they can, they'll be able to see it. Are you looking at certain grips? Do you have certain drills? Um, you know, let's say you're trying to work on a good changeup. Let's just kind of dive into that of like, what, you know, how are you, what are you programming to say, here's how we're going to chip away at it? Yeah, I think it, it, it all goes back to knowing the player, yeah. um, you know, knowing how they move, knowing how, what their arm action looks like. Um, because, you know, arm action will tell you a lot of about what the ball potentially has to do um you know you it's going to be hard for a guy who's like straight over the top iron mike style to really pronate and get this like nasty sinking change up he may have to go to more of like a straight change or maybe a split um again so understanding what your guy is doing how he's moving what he likes to do um and then just like, it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously way tougher without technology, but there's definitely ways to do it. And it's just, again, about understanding maybe how your pitcher pitches more or less than what exactly the ball is doing itself. I, I know that kind of sounds interesting, but you know, are you a guy who has success vertically or horizontally in the zone um, that could tell you maybe how you can pair up some pitches. Um, and then you may, just from from there, see success because of tunneling or um, or just using proper zone placement. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and as far as like drill work goes, it's just a matter of probably understanding again what what the need is of the player. Is he looking for a, a downing act like a down action changeup or? is he looking for a curve like a depth top spinning curveball or a sweepy slider? And then just understanding probably again, rhythm timing in your delivery, if we can repeat that. And then what your wrist and hand placement is on that ball. And just really, it's more, it's going to be more experimental. Um, mm-hmm. And you're going to have to get feedback from one coaches, two catchers and three video cameras. Um, I would say if you don't have the technology, um, and the hitters, the hitters will tell you what's happening too, right? So if, if you start throwing this new slider and it's like, man, my slider before got crushed, but now it's getting guys out. Um, maybe the thing I've decided to do is, is working. Right. Um, so. so is that, is that how you're like, cause like when you came back to your, to what you just said was about, um, do I have success vertically or do I have sex success horizontally? You know, are you, is that all just based off of game data? And you're basically thinking that, or are you thinking basically, I guess it could be matter of two is the other thing would be based in the game. And then two would be, can I locate it? I guess that's also, is, is that, is that really the success of the two? Yeah, I think, I think when it comes to that stuff, you got to work from the plate backwards, right? If you can, if you're not landing something for a strike, is it, is it useful? 
we got to think of that. Um, yeah, that's, that's what, you know, you start to diagnose things then from, from the plate and then you work your way back to the mound and it's, you know, you just kind of work backwards. Um, but yeah, I guess what, with, with the question is just more or less understanding, understanding what the guy likes to do. If he has, if he, if he understands how to use the top of the zone, then maybe he can pair a top spinning breaking ball with that because the visual to the hitter is going to look similar in the whole tunneling aspect um, where you, you think like, you know, you have all the, this, these buckets of pitchers. You have the like the vertical fastball with the with the curveball, and then you got your your two seam guy who X's the play with the slider. And um, I would say without without data, it's more about understanding who the pitcher is, um, and then seeing what their capabilities are moving forward with with the development on pitch design. Yeah, I, I would love to get into that, man. Like your buckets of pitchers. So, um, can we elaborate more on that? Like, I love the vertical guy that looks like a Justin Verlander guy right there. I mean, he's like your big vertical guy. I think that's what's kind of helped in the second half of his career, knowing he can throw up. Can you explain to people um, when you know that you can throw up in the zone? Because everybody's been taught since they've were nine years old to throw down in the zone, throw down in the zone. So, I think that's a big transition now in the game. How do you know when a guy can be vertical, he can climb the ladder? I, I think ball flight tells you a lot about that. You know, if, if he's spinning it well, if the ball stays on its line, um, if it ver like if it visually looks like that frozen rope ripping through the zone, um, you know, those are the guys that that tend to have success. With again, this is all without technology, trying to use your eyes. Um, you know, if you if you're more of like a sinker guy, like you better stay down low, man, because that, that, that elevated two seam, unless you really have the ability to like upshoot that thing under, under right hand, like a right on right under their hands. And it's got some pace to it. It's got some velo. Um, that could be danger zone. Um, and I, I think, again, I think it all goes back to like the pitcher knowing who they are. Like you don't just become this, if you're a two seam guy, you don't become this like four seam guy overnight. Sure. Um, you need to know who you are and know your best ability so you can go out and do that. Um, and I, I think that's what it comes down to is knowing who you are and knowing how your stuff works and how it plays. And that's how you should attack the zone. Um, and, and again, it all, it, I mean, it all blends, right? Everything for, we've talked about so far blends together with pitching. You got to know who you are. You got to know who the hitter is. You got to know, all this, all this stuff, it's crazy how much stuff you need to need to be prepared with and, and, and moving forward to, to have success. And then, so I guess with your advanced reporting, even going from that is who you are and what the hitter is. Are you still always typically leaning to where we're still going to attack with who you are? Absolutely. And, Cause let's say I'm a vertical Absolutely. guy, let's say I'm a vertical guy, but his heat map says like he pounds high fastballs. Well, guess what? We're, we can't change who we are. are you still going to lean on that way. Well, okay. So think about this. Here's a question for you. If you're a vertical guy and you have a high spinning fastball and that, rip, that rips through the air, what does vertical mean in the strike zone? Uh, hand, like top of the strike zone? Not just up, but down, right? You can throw that frozen rope down and that thing looks like it's about to hit the ground and it holds its line. Okay. So, I mean, just because you are a vertical guy, that doesn't mean only up. Okay. Um, you know, you can, you can use the bottom of the zone. You should use the bottom of the zone, 
because your fastball, the way it cuts to the air, just looks different. You get those frozen takes down, and your guys are like, what the heck? I thought mm-hmm. that was going to hit the ground. Um, but you can also, again, like like I said, upshoot, upshoot the inside half of the plate. Um, so if, if you have – I think if you're a vertical pitcher, you probably have – couple more options I would say to go to mm-hmm. um you know if you're if you're a if you work side to side um you got to be probably a little more pinpoint because like I said it's it's a little bit dangerous to take that that sinker and, and elevate it right <laughs> um but yeah well, hope that answers your question it, yeah no it is it is I I, th- I need you know I don't even think I don't even think about you know staying down the zone it just stays there and I could definitely see how that messes with the hitter where just like you said, it holds its line. And I guess that's what you see at the top of the zone because it looks like it's going to rise. You know, if you mm-hmm. said that, because there's so much spin and at the bottom of the zone, it would have so much spin that it kind of, it just kind of hovers. It's like a low lining drive that you golf, like a golfer would hit. Right. You know? yep. And it just kind of does. So that's, that's definitely a very, uh, very interesting take. Yeah. When you, people say vertical, you think of just up, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely, this is definitely a great, a great take. Um, so like, uh, you, you, you said it so much about evaluating players and knowing who you are. Do you do any exercises with your pitchers? Because let's say you, you, you see a guy fighting himself and you say, Hey man, what do you think you do? Like, do you do anything to help them discover themselves? Or are guys mostly already at your level? They already know. Like I'm sure maybe at coastal, maybe you guys didn't really know, or you said, Hey, this is your role or like, yeah. this is who you are. I think depending on your level, um, at the double A level last year, <clears throat> those guys know who they are. Um, they need they need a little reminder here and there of what they need to do. Um, they need to be a little more consistent. Um, at the high level, it's a little different. You gotta you gotta push them a little bit more. Uh, um, give them a little more direction. And as you as you go down, you have to you know give them a little bit more and more. Um, and at the college level, you're really you're really finding out who you are because you're growing so much. Um, like when I went to school, I was like 145 pounds, 150 pounds, and I left at 190. Um, and I completely evolved, right? I mean, you're you're going through this time of of growth and maturation and learning not only about how to play the game, but how your body works and how much stronger you're getting. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's tough to say, but it's just a matter of understanding probably where you're at physically and at what pace you're growing and not, not just growing physically, but mentally and, and understanding the game. And, and I guess when you think of those things, is that where you come in and maybe add something to his plan of saying, hey, mentally, we got to be thinking this or physically, we got to do this? Is that where you kind of come in? Yeah, yeah, I think, I guess. Um, I think it kind of goes back to, to knowing the guy, like if knowing who they are, where they came from. Um, try, you shouldn't have to like try to win them over by any means, but you know, uh-huh. at the college level, you know, you may have a, a kid whose dad played professionally or whatever, and, and he, that's who he trusts. So you just have to try to let them know, like, Hey, I'm your, I'm your coach. Um, I'm here to help you 
let's communicate this and let's try to come up with the best plan. Um, I think, I think a lot of it is more working together with the player than me just kind of like flat out telling them what to do. And again, that's, it could just be way different because of the level that I'm coaching at. Sure. Sure. I think you have such a great feel depending on, cause you work with younger kids, you've worked with nine-year-olds and you've also worked with double A ball. So you have a good feel of those things and you try to at least give them some freedom, but then you can, you're also a guy who I've noticed is you'll give him a drill to let the drill speak instead of you, where he can kind of figure himself out to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head. I'm, <laughs> that's just me. That's my personality is yeah. um, I expected a lot out of myself as a player. Um, I expect a lot out of my players as a coach. Um, and by doing that, I, you know, if, if we, if, if a guy comes in sits down and has a conversation with me and says, Hey man, I really want to, I want to work on this or his player plan says we need to work on this. Um, I expect them to go do it. Mm-hmm. I don't, ex- you know, I don't, I shouldn't have to remind them. I will remind them. Don't get me wrong. I will do it. But, um, you have to have that internal drive to want to do things and not just sit back and, and hope that it comes. Um, you have to put some effort into it. Um, and that's just kind of how I feel about things as far as working hard and, um, you know, working hard doesn't mean you're going to make it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I worked really hard. I didn't get to the big leagues, but, um, you know, but you can work hard to give yourself the best chance. Um, and I think that's where that you separate yourself that way. Cause there's a ton of factors about, how you get to the highest level and stuff, makeup, your physicality. Um, there's just, you know, there's a ton of, ton of attributes that have to come together for that all to work out. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but if you give yourself the best chance, you can feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Do you find like that internal drive like to be, is that the number one thing? Like when you, you see now guys go, you know, and you, and from either up or down, do you see that? Is that, is that the common factor between those guys that are going up and down? Maybe their internal drive isn't there. Is that your number one factor that you see? Or what do you see between those differences in those two guys? Just as far as, uh, as far as a guy that struggles and struggles and can't really seem to move on or a guy that is continually gradual and, and just kind of. Sure. Um, I would say, I would say those guys who, those guys who are really good with everything, they are, they know exactly who they are and what they need to do. Uh, They have a willingness to learn and ask questions. They aren't scared of of either. Um, They're not scared of failure. They're not scared to ask questions. They don't think they have it all figured out. Um, They have, they have routines that they stick to, to get their work done. And the the attention to detail is just at such a heightened level um and then they know how to transfer that into the from the daily work to the to the game um and a lot of them too i'm not going to curse or anything but a lot of them have that fu mentality yeah and it's not fake right it's not like the i'm gonna i'm gonna walk around huff and puff like they've got some self-confidence in there that no one can touch um and then how to flip that switch on and be in and compete um and I would say the biggest thing would be they learn from experiences and they don't dwell on the past. They, they know how to, they know how to take the, the day after a bad start and get right back to work and not feel sorry for themselves. Um, 
they have more of like a stoic, a stoic mentality in, in all situations and, and um, really have that self-drive to, to get better, even when they may be the best on their team. Like there's, you know, you may have to tell a guy to, Hey man, you're doing a lot. Like sometimes you just got to trust your work, but you know, a lot of those guys are, are going to go out and do things without being asked to do, which mm-hmm. is, which is really nice as a coach. Oh, for sure. Sounds a lot like you. <laughs> Sounds a lot like you, young man. That's for sure. Appreciate it. You bet. Um, so, I mean, I just love talking about pitch design, honestly. Like I love when we talk pitching and we talk pitch design and, and how to, how to get there. Um, uh, here's a, here's a question that I, I not just, just even going through this is when has your eyes fooled you? Like you thought this guy might've been a vertical guy and he's not, you know, or this guy was this and he was not, you know, I, I think, you know, that's, the, that's for me, the realization, what I, what I really enjoy about the data is that it either one, it tells me my eyes are good. And what I saw was what I saw or two you know, I'm not as good. It's almost like it kind of checks your ego, but when have you, when have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think everybody sees it, uh, yeah. especially, especially when you have a machine that hooks up to an iPad and spits the data right away. And you're like, Ooh, that was probably like, you're standing behind him. You're like, Ooh, that was a good one. And you look at it and you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe not. But you know, it's more about at that point, I think you have to understand how the player feels about something um, and understand that every rep, the goal is to get to every like great rep every time. Um, but there's going to be times where some reps are just like not as good as others. Um, and I'll, I'll say, um, you know, one thing that helped me with understanding what was, I guess, quote, good and not good via via data would be um at, at coastal when when i was learning how to use trackman understanding what movement profiles looked like and um what uh break charts looked like and everything we we were fortunate enough to have all the trackman data connected right to the video so i would go in the next day and look at the video and it would say like fastball up in the zone it tells you where it is on the plate it tells you the movement profile it tells you the vertical movement the horizontal movement so what I would do is I would sit there either my hand or a piece of paper and I would just like cover up the data and I'd watch the video and just be like, okay, I thought that was, that one was okay. And then I would go back to the data and let the data tell me if I was right or wrong. Um, you know, I, and then you start, when you start to do it that way, you start to really test yourself. And um, then when you're standing back behind a guy who's throwing a bullpen and you're looking for that high hopping fastball, and it rips through the air and you're like, Oh, that's, that's the one. Cause I've seen that. I've seen what a good one looks like. And I see what, a, I know what that more flat dying fastball looks like. Um, that's something you don't unsee, which is really cool. Yeah, <laughs> for you, sure. you basically taught yourself how to identify good pitches. And there, I mean, obviously there's times you're wrong because we're human. Right. Um, but it's just a matter of, I think, understanding, learning the best way to give yourself a chance would be to kind of test yourself each time, you know, or things we do with the Orioles. Obviously, we have like Edgertronic and TrackMan and, and all this great, great stuff. Um, one thing we ask the guys, because with Edgertronic, we can't hit every clip. 
because sometimes they're just working fast and you want to keep them in the rhythm and you don't want them to stop and, and lose what they're trying to do. And, um, you know, if we'll ask guys to like, Hey, let us know, like that one felt good. Um, so what we do is we mark down like, okay, that was the sixth fastball. Make sure we go back and look at that one. Um, and then we bring them in, look at it and Hey man, you said this one felt good. What, tell us about it, explain it to us, talk us through it. So then again, we get back to the language part, right? So he's in, he's in his little mental shell and understanding what feels good for him. And then we can understand what he's trying to feel and then apply what the data is telling us to that. Um, so that's, so, would that's that be like, a, so let's say the guy says, I just, it just felt effortless. So, and then is that a cue that you kind of have in your back pocket? You like make a note and say, Hey, Johnny, likes you know when he started his fastball just tell him remind him to be effortless you know is that something that right. you right you can exactly do? yep and it's as simple as that it, you know you know especially with with twitter and um all the stuff that goes out on the internet nowadays yeah. um you know there's a ton of like scientific terms and I, I touched on this earlier about knowing you know knowing your players and knowing how they speak and their language. And, you know, if, if a guy doesn't understand one of these scientific terms, body movement terms, just speak normal to them. <laughs> it's the best way. You know, talk about horizontal shoulder abduction, just say scap load. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. break it down for them in the way that they're going to understand Cause I mean, a lot of these guys punch, punch the guy behind you in the nose, right? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, the so, guy behind you with your, <laughs> whatever, whatever that case may be. And right. Yeah, you know, I actually had a conversation right now in this quarantine, we were in charge of a group of guys on phone calls and zoom calls. And I was having a conversation with the guy. We're going through some delivery stuff. And, and he made a comment to me, like he's trying to, he's trying to explain it in like these very specific terms. And I was just like, listen, man, like just let's knock it back explain it to me how it like how you want it to come out and if i don't understand that i will ask questions to understand that like we need to get it to how you understand and how you can apply it to your movements or to your whatever the case may be fill in the blank so it sticks in your mind it sticks in your brain then you begin to learn it then it becomes a process and not just like him just like yeah right yeah man that's yeah it's exactly what i'm trying to say like that that's all great but at the end like we've all done that i do that because i don't want to look like the dummy in the room but mm-hmm. um you know I, if if that's how it is then you need to he needs to like make mo- make notes or say like coach said this or ask this question or whatever the case may be and for and for coaches like yourself or, or anybody who's going or myself or anyone who's going to like a palooza or uh, ABCA, if there's something that you don't understand because of the terminology, it's okay to raise your hand and ask. It's okay to Google that. Like, don't expect to know all this stuff. Like, a lot of great coaches speak very layman's terms and it works. Sure, and there's man. coaches who speak scientific terms and that works because of their audience. So, it's about finding the right fit for, for everybody, whether it's a player or a coach. And that's kind of been, I mean, I, I think that's kind of been the theme of what I've been talking about mostly today. Yep. Yeah. I can see it being a title buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. I mean, but I think that's the mark one of a good coach. It's also a mark of a, of a guy who has no ego, you know, or 
you know, the ego of you're going to do it my way or, you know, those things kind of get in the way of just, you know, you're very comfortable in your own skin. You always have been. And, um, you know, and honestly, I can tell you like a trait that of like the last 10 guys or 13, most of them have said they got to be their best coach. Most of them have said they got to address, you know, like these are what good coaches do, you know, and it's exactly what the reason I wanted to have you on. And I know you're doing awesome things with the Orioles and they're, they're, you know, it's great because my favorite team, you know, we got, we got you, we got you, buddy. So that's great to have you close to home. And, um, you know, man, this has just been awesome. Let's say, let's say somebody wanted to like maybe talk, talk more pitch design, you know, maybe do a lesson. So now you're doing lessons. Um, mm -hmm. you know, what's the best way for them to contact you, man? Uh, probably email. Okay. Um, I have, I have Twitter, but I am never on it. <laughs> uh, just because of, you know, I may always be on a call or whatever the case may be with my phone. And then this, as far as lessons, I will, I will touch on this a little bit too with, with yeah. the lessons. Um, the lessons have really given me an opportunity to, um, like you said, like learn different levels of, of needs. Um, you know, when you're, when you go from, playing pro ball to back to college you're kind of just like shocked at like what's going on here mm -hmm. like but that's what needs to happen you got to hit your steps um and then when I go back to pro ball and then now I'm doing private lessons with high school kids it's more about the foundational work and a lot of kids are doing and rightfully so a lot of the same movements incorrectly because just because right? They may not know, or they think something, um, or they read something and don't ex and explore more, um, or they just see it and want to replicate it or emulate it. Um, it's more about knowing who you are as, as a person and who you are as a player. And um, it goes back to like, I, I have to learn so much from teaching high school kids because I've never had to do it. And I have to back things off a lot more than I would with, with pro guys, because like we talked about, man, pro guys, like, yeah, they're good. They're really good. Um, but they still need to get better because they're not the big leagues, big leaguers uh -huh. need to get better. Um, so I, when you, when you, for me, like teaching at the high at, at private high school level, it's, it's been, it's been really good for me to, to one, get reps as a coach, you know, as I'm, I've been doing this long. So as many reps as I can get is, is awesome. Um, it allows me to become a better communicator because I actually feel like I'm not the best at communicating because I'm, I'm a little more on the quiet reserved side. Um, I think I could speak one on one with people, but when it comes to like groups and stuff, I like, I just want to get it done. It's like 10 seconds, get to the point, get out of there. Don't look stupid and all that <laughs> stuff. But, um, and then two, like it, or three, it just allows me to get back to the foundational work um, because that's where it all starts. Um, giving these guys, hopefully what I think is the right, the right information to allow them to, again, have their identity, um, and move forward with, with better, with better movement patterns to have success, just to be a little more consistent. Um, so it's been, it's been really good for me to hit on that and, um, continuously learn because I haven't really been exposed much to the high school level. And, um, it really brings back things, brings things back to earth. And, you know, you get to actually get a little more hands-on and a little more um, in-depth with some high school kids, which is uh -huh. cool. For sure.
And I like how you, you know, those are lessons I know you do and your belief about it. It's not just a, an hour lesson. You're more invested in the kid's plan and here you are and here's what we're looking at long-term wise. And I think that's what a lot of people have been missing, you know, they don't have that long-term success and saying, you know, I think you do a really good job of that for a younger kid. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Sure. And now your email, like for people that want to maybe just contact you, email us. JoshConway0211 at gmail.com. Awesome. I want to thank you for hanging with us, listening in on our journey with Josh today. Hope you found some great, some great information. And uh, if you would, please just go ahead and share it on iTunes, share it on social media, just text it to somebody, and hopefully they may they found value in it. Again, please reach out to Josh if you have any questions, anything further you want to ask him. Any questions. It's one of the things that honestly, like in baseball, great with coaches is they love to share. And Josh is one of those, just another example of that. He'll share and talk to you, talk to baseball. Um, and that's what these guys want to, they're not getting to do right now. So people will answer more questions. And, um, you know, so again, his, his email is Josh Conway, J O S H C O N W A Y 0211 at gmail.com. Again, it's joshconway0211 at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to him. Feel free to reach out to me at treytcobb at gmail.com. And it's, again, treytcobb at gmail.com. You can DM me on Twitter. My uh, DMs are open. If you want to do that as well, share the episode. And um, hopefully you guys just keep on getting better. And if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. So until next time, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for holding on with us. Keep getting better.